Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting, interesting. the podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet, often entertaining, rarely conservative, frequently informative, occasionally occasionally interesting. interesting. What did you think of uh, Sarah's episode about building the first country on the internet? I was a little bit drunk when I was listening to that, too, as I am now. Um, <laughs> it sounded like it was heavily based on like insurance. So, yeah, their, their, their first product that they've created as a company is insurance, health insurance for nomads specifically. Um, so, yeah, people who aren't necessarily staying in one place, aren't trying to get insurance from one country, and who are going to need coverage in a whole bunch of different medical systems and countries. Um, and then, so like, yeah, their, their first tier, first tier product is this health insurance, and then their second tier dream is creating a global safety net. Um, and then their third tier dream is creating the first country on the internet. My whole thing is like, if you don't have an army that is threatening people, if they don't pay up, then I don't think you're a government. So that, I mean, it honestly sounds like a, um, it sounds like a, a business to me, like an international business, an insurance business, which is interesting. Cause there's a guy, uh, PhD economist named Bob Murphy. And he, he does a lot of theorizing. He's an anarcho-capitalist, and he does a lot of theorizing on what an anarcho-capitalist society would look like. And his main thing is, like, in, insurance companies would be taking care of, like, most of the things that we consider are essential to the state. Where, like, if, if there's an international threat, people living in an area would be buying insurance, uh, and then the insurance company would decide like what what are the best ways to defend against this threat because we don't want to pay out all this insurance and and like they would be the ones with the with the defensive missiles and stuff like that and and the theory is that that would be a much more peaceful society because the insurance company would have no reason to like go out and and have an offensive war um if they did go out and do something if an insurance company went out and just started like it caused as much collateral damage as the u.s government does now uh people would stop voluntarily paying for their insurance so it's funny because the this online country sounds like a lot of ancaps um a method that an ancap would employ to get rid of their country (laughs) to replace the country and move away from that well, approaching it from a slightly more left point of view than you, uh, I, I do feel like that. We, no, we established you're on the right, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Yeah, we've, we've, done your, <laughs> we've done your one question quiz to many people since your episode. Um, it's caused lots of controversy and interesting conversation. Um, but certainly, I think, by many uh, accounts, I'm still at least decently socially liberal wanting wanting there to be 
education for all, wanting there to be a system in place protecting our parks and other things, protecting the environment um, at the at the bare minimum. And those were some things that we talked about um, in this episode, especially education, free education um, being associated with this country. And, and as we talked about in our intro, something that I've been thinking about a lot more since quarantine and since um, meeting a bunch of people where we are now who have dual passports to multiple countries, talking about how their passport from their country where they usually live is absolute garbage and they can't do anything with it. And so they're, they're lucky, fortunate enough to have been able to get a passport to another country through various reasons. And that is what enables them to be a digital nomad. And just thinking about, oh my God, how devastating that would be. Like I've really, it's never been something I've had to think of. The U.S. passport is the or one of the strongest passports. And to be born into a country where you're like basically not allowed to leave because no one wants to have you. And a thought experiment that Trevor and I have been delving into in the quarantine times is, yeah, like what if it seems like America might be on the downfall and what if the tides really turn and we end up essentially being refugees where no country wants to take us? What do we, what do we do? And yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what my question was. <laughs> I'll leave. It. I, I do. I do remember that being brought up about the passports thing, and I, I never really thought about it. Um, is I'm curious, like, what the incentive is. Is is it? Do people? Do they just assume like, oh, Americans have money, we'll let them in, and they'll be they'll be good tourists, and they'll help our economy? Like, is that the general reason? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, they're not gonna and, they're not gonna necessarily stay, overstay their visas. Right. They're gonna like they don't they don't have come the same money, vacation, reason to be refugees as many other countries. Which is you know yeah. for a tourist industry, you know for for all intents and purposes, that's great for the economy and everything else when they stay and then they take jobs at lower rates and everything that it becomes a problem. That makes sense. Uh, you see, it sounded like you had a, a premonition there where you think, uh, some bad things are coming. Do you want to certainly doesn't seem strip? like a great state of affairs in, in the United States at the moment. I don't see anything getting better. I'm pretty sure Trump's going to win the next election. I, I'm yeah, I'm pretty certain he is. Um, so that's, yeah, not, these are not good signs in my opinion. These are, uh, and furthermore than that, you know, like it's just, it just seems like it's going to continue down. I don't see any, any upward trend happening anytime soon. I also wouldn't be surprised if there's another financial collapse soon with this whole COVID situation and stock market doing really interesting things. <laughs> interesting. What do you mean? There, there, we've, we have a escape velocity. We, we're pumping so much money into the market that there, we'll never have a recession again. Isn't that the theory? <laughs> that's the that's the theory that they're going. I'm being sarcastic, obviously. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it does seem to be Just, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's insane. I, the the scale that they're just like. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still. We're still here. Oh, okay. The scale that they're just like creating trillions of dollars they're just typing it into their account so that they can buy up bonds and now they're buying up like bond etfs and it, it and and part of it is like congressional spending they're uh, got to give everybody their 
$1,200 paycheck and then line all of their friends' pockets too. It's the, the, the scale is unprecedented. And I think, I think the economy was already sick before that. Yeah. It doesn't bode well, man. It does not bode well. Uh, I, I do. I, I've been theorizing that there's going to be a, like a, a Soviet union style, just breakup of the U S I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think at a certain point, some states are just going to be like, yeah, we're not, this isn't our debt. We're not paying for these other states to, to keep going and keep giving handouts and stuff like this forever. Yeah, I honestly don't really understand why we don't just geographically divide more. That, that this is all I've wanted. <laughs> That's all you've wanted. Yep. Well, I think it's the first step. I, mean, I think it's, I don't think that's I don't I think, think that's completely necessary. I think just a smaller federal government in most sectors would be sufficient to achieve the same goal. You guys are talking my language. <laughs> I do think that we should still offer entitlement programs and, and healthcare and education, though. So it's not get carried yeah, away. Have you, has, <laughs> has COVID changed any or affected your thoughts on universal healthcare? No, I think I, I think the the top down rules that the government the governors mostly are coming up with now are just making the hospitals more more financially ill-equipped to handle any more issues in the future. What are top, what are the top-down rules? They, I mean, they banned elective surgeries in a lot of places. Oh yeah. And, but, but it's like, I get you want to flatten the curve, but you can't have the same set of rules for like a, a major city and a rural area. Yeah. But that's what you're doing when you're making a statewide rule. So, a lot of these rural areas uh, are just the healthcare industry is just laying off workers because they're not making any money because the state is directing that they have to completely focus on COVID. And there's some places, there's some places in New York that have barely any COVID cases at all. And, and we've been on lockdown. I think that's 10, 10 weeks now. Yeah. And, maybe those rules would have made sense for New York city, but they don't make sense for yeah, it's almost all of upstate New York. Any of the rules that apply to New York city apply to upstate New York. Well, that's, I think that's what you get <laughs> when you have a, a top down authoritarian approach to things. You, you miss a lot of nuance, 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 <laughs> Let's see that. Yeah, and all that. I mean, I think that you know, having a federal mandate that there is universal health care that's administered by the states, I think that that's a reasonable approach for me. Maybe somewhat I think funded we, by the federal government, but within it's like, can you can you go from state to state? Yeah. Also, so we we're currently yeah. on this safety wing, um, Sarah's company's product. This is our the insurance that we've had as nomads, and it. The U.S. has very complicated rules, and this this insurance that covers you in every other country in the world can only cover you in the U.S. for three weeks. I don't even. I think it's two weeks. Maybe two weeks. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Uh, See, I mean, I, I think if, uh, you. Get, I'm an anarchist. Uh, obviously, 
my solution is that there's just no countries and then any insurance you, you could buy insurance from Estonia and they would be eager to serve people in Alaska and Japan and you wouldn't have to worry about this at all. It would all just be on the books and sure they would have localized, they would probably have localized policies, but I think the, I think governments of the world are just getting in the way of all that. I don't inherently disagree with what no, you're saying. That's ma- that makes sense. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, I, p- I, mean, I tried to pick the most random locations I could. While well, I was, I, was, I mean, we talked about. Um, I don't. I can't. I'm pretty sure this stayed in the episode that Estonia is actually one of the main places that is doing something like this. They're having, they're they're having like nomad visas and creating all kinds of things, and they're kind of being used as the template for the first country on the internet. Um, the yeah, it's like anybody right now. I don't know all the details, but anybody can get an Estonian like passport pretty easily and open businesses, and they're trying to make it incredibly easy to become an Estonian citizen for anybody in the world. Um, so they're really paving the pathway in a lot of these areas. And we we first met Sarah um, at the Digital Nomad Summit, and then she gave a talk a panel discussion on the first country on the internet and yeah it was talked about a lot this Estonian whatever it is rules model. <laughs> policy model um, right I think it raises really interesting questions of like what exactly is a government what what a government should be and what you what you have a right to expect from your government and what should be lean more became cut off from your government but so Eric your answer is just nothing yeah, I think I think every single thing that people imagine that the government is good for, I think the free market would do better. They would do it cheaper, uh, more ethically, more efficiently. It, it would just be, if we could all just collectively let go of this idea of what a government is, I think... And it, then if, uh, yeah. if people do start rioting or whatever, things like that, like, then... I think, I think there would be control. private. Solu- I, I think there would be private solutions to deal with rioters. I think that you'd wind up being very afraid of those private solutions. Back to Sarah's episode a bit. So, since you're viewing the whole thing as sort of a company, a, a business solution rather than what we now think of as governments, is it something that appeals to you? Is it? Do you think? It is kind of like. Well, I mean, I think that is that is one of the coolest elements of this. Is it, it does take on a business like entity where I mean, just the just changing the idea of the opt in. I mean, a government is sort of a business. The only problem is, is you can't really opt out, right. and or opt into ones that you like better. And, yeah, and that is that is exactly what makes it irreparably corrupt all the time. In right. in in our view, like you gotta pay. You know, you can't say I'm not going to pay taxes. I don't agree what you're spending the tax money on. Like you have to pay. What this would do is it would allow an alternative to be like, you know what, I'm out, um, which I think you know changes the model a little bit. And I think, I think a lot of things. I think if we had a you know functioning anarchist society with with a good you know culture and base base principles of nonviolence and stuff like that, I think we would see 
things that kind of look like governments on I think a much smaller scale like there'd be little microcosms there'd there'd still be like gated communities and then the maybe the owner there's like a a family that owns that gated community and they rent it out to people to live in and there's certain rules you have to go by and you're not allowed to own a gun or something like that whatever you fancy and I think you would see across the US there would be millions of these little community uh, like small societies that kind of look like governments but then there'd be huge international things like like insurance companies I think that insurance is something you could easily make international with with the internet it might be a little harder if I don't know do you think you could have car insurance internationally or do you think you have to have someone there boots on the ground to investigate <laughs> I don't know I mean it's all it, it's all theory do car insurance companies currently investigate isn't it pretty much they like you file a claim and maybe the police there's also a police report Usually it's just you follow file a claim. I don't think I've ever had an insurance agent come out and like look at my car or something. I think it happens. Right. I think it's just really it's rare if you know somebody gets injured and you're dealing with a million dollar lawsuit, there might be more of an investigation mm-hmm. than Right, something like that. So ultimately you're pro country on the internet because you see it as a business rather than a government. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Cool. Fair enough. So, so I mean, my just like to summarize, and, and I'm not saying you, it would be rational for anyone to just completely accept it altogether. But I think, in a free market society, there there would a be less income inequality, and b income inequality isn't bad anyway because some people are better than others. I don't disagree. <laughs> no. I don't I completely agree, but I don't disagree. <laughs>